website. But let's dive in today, and as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, as we call it in the church, uh, because Jesus resurrected from the grave, uh, maybe you're here and you've wondered or thought to yourself, is, is this day, is this a holiday, this moment, are we just celebrating something that happened once in history? Or is there, what's the relevance to us today? Well, what does the resurrection mean for us here in 2022? And I want to talk today specifically about the gift of the resurrection. Because there's a gift that Jesus, in fact, the Bible calls it a gift that has for each and every one of us through the resurrection. Uh, but before we dive in to today's message, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Uh, we pray that as we open it up, God, that you would speak to us. Uh, we, we open our hearts and our minds to receive from you today. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in John 14, if you have your Bibles. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, have a big one on the screen, uh, and they're online as well. John 14 is where we are. To give context of where we are in the narrative of our faith, uh, this is right after Jesus uh, broke the news to his disciples that he was going to die. Uh, this was before his crucifixion, so clearly before the resurrection. But there's a statement Jesus makes in this passage that I think is uh, very relevant for us and really speaks to the gift that he brings to us through his life, uh, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. John 14, just six verses we'll read. Verse 1, it says this. The words of Christ are, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, you believe in God and also believe or believe also in me. Now, he says, do not be troubled because his disciples, that word troubled actually means in the Greek to be emotionally agitated. They were, they were agitated because they had just heard that Jesus was going to die. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by the fact that these men who walked with Jesus, they talked, they saw Jesus open blind eyes, and they still were having a hard time before his death believing he was going to rise again. <laughs> so just, so just so you know, if you've doubt, if you have doubts about your faith, you're in good company. But, but we know that Jesus, he, he, he answered all of those doubts when he did rise again, and they saw the nail-scarred hands. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Now, what he was speaking to there was his upcoming death, burial, and resurrection. That through his death, burial, and resurrection, he was preparing a home in eternity for each and every one of us. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Uh, that you may all also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? He answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to unpack that simple statement, yet profound statement Jesus makes. I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. So here's the first point if you're taking notes, is that Jesus makes a way. And if you're not taking notes today, just write this down in your phone. Jesus makes a way. All right, I got no laughs on that one. I'll move forward. I'll change the, the game on that one, okay? Um, that was a joke, too. All right. Hard crowd. Whew. He makes a way where there was no way, a way to the Father. 1 Timothy 2, 5, the Apostle Paul, if you don't know who he is, he was a leader in the church uh, in the New Testament and he says to young Timothy, speaking about the way that Jesus makes, I love how he refers to Christ. He says this, for there is one God and one mediator 
between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Now, when I think of mediator, I think to myself um, that there must be conflict. Uh, I, I was recalling back when I was uh, younger, a child, uh, I had two older sisters. Uh, I don't know if anybody here had any siblings growing up. Uh, come on, by show of hands, if, if you were the favorite sibling, raise your hand, favorite siblings, come on, okay. Um, if you are questioning, I don't know if I was the favorite, I'm going to help you out. I came to bring the truth. If you are the last child born, you are the favorite child <laughs> born. The Bible says if you're first, you're last, okay? So if you were the first ch child, your parents were like, not good enough. We'll keep going. If you're watching, sisters, you know it's true. I love you, but you know it's true. They had me, and they're like, he is the best we can do. We are done. Sorry, I don't know where I was in him now. No, my, so my, my, the sister closest to me, uh, Allison, we have a great relationship now. Uh, it'd be hard to know that if you saw us back growing up. Man, we, 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 had, we, we, we disagreed often. Like, we would argue over the color of the sky. Like, we were, like, always in argument, always in conflict. Uh, so much so, you know, when my mom would either come home or, you know, she'd be in another space in the house and... We would, we would yell for her, and we'd, you know, every mom has heard this type of sound. Mom! Now, here's how you know it's bad. Come on, some of your moms right now are having a little bit of an anxiety here. In the <laughs> whenever, whenever the tone goes up, like, Mom! That's when it's bad, right? When that, like, when it goes up and, and high, you're like, oh, no. So she'd come home, and, and she'd bring some mediation. She'd, she'd help resolve some conflict, and... Uh, that word mediator simply means to, to restore peace or to restore order. Now, maybe you're thinking, why did, why did order or peace need to be stored between us and God? Why did we need a mediator in Jesus? Because the scripture says that actually our sin separates us from God, that our sin actually brought conflict between us and God. And, and scripturally speaking, like because of our sin, it, 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 it created distance between us and God. And in the Old Testament, they had to make sacrifices for their sin in order to have right standing with God. And there are only some people at some times who could actually have a relationship and talk to God. But aren't you grateful? It says in the New Testament that Jesus was the one and final sacrifice. That's why he's called the Lamb of God who died for the sins of humanity. Aren't you grateful? He's our mediator, and because of him, listen, your relationship with God, your peace with God, you talking, walking, hearing from God has nothing to do with your righteousness and everything to do with what he's done for you. Aren't you grateful? You can have a, you can have a living, breathing, walking, talking, hearing relationship with the God of the universe. It's amazing. He spoke the world into existence because he desires to have a relationship with you. Now, we can spend the next three hours talking about that, but I know you have brunch plans, so I will. <laughs> another time, another time. You know, but let me speak briefly to it. Uh, one of the benefits that come from this relationship, Philippians 4.19, I want to speak to this. The Apostle Paul writes this. Now, let me give context. Context is important. He writes this from a jail cell. So he's not in a comfortable position. Uh, he's, he hasn't kind of, you know, 
you know, he's not living a life where he's posting on, on Instagram, hashtag blessed. Like, he's in a jail cell. Like, he, he's in a jail cell, and he didn't do anything wrong other than worship Jesus. And he writes this, in jail, catch this. And he writes this to a group of Christians who were also being persecuted for their faith. They could not gather openly like we do today. They couldn't watch a service online. And he says this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All your needs. It's a profound statement. Now, clearly, writing this in jail implies he's not saying, man, if you follow Jesus, you will never have a trouble ever. Anybody else ever, you, you wish like the Bible said that? Like, follow Jesus, and your kids will listen to you 100% of the time. If you follow Jesus, your alternator will never go out. Come on, right? Like, like you, uh, sometimes I wish that. In fact, Jesus himself said trials would come, troubles will come, hardships will come. But here's the beauty, that in your trials and in your hardships, God will still meet all of your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That even though you might walk through hardship, you're not walking alone. You're walking with a, with a God who desires to meet your needs. I love Hebrews 4.16. The author writes this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that throne of grace and we'll find grace. I love that it mentions grace twice. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It means he wants to do something for you you don't deserve and you cannot earn. That's how good he is. Like he wants to bless you beyond what you could ever deserve. And he says he, he, he's a throne of grace and you'll find grace and you'll receive mercy and he'll help us in our time of need. As I was thinking this idea of boldly approaching the throne of grace, I was reminded of... Um, my youngest in our household, if you're new to Catalyst, I have uh, three children. Christina and I have three children, uh, and they're eight, six, and three years old. And our youngest is three, Abigail. And Abigail, if you are, uh, she may, if she's in the lobby after service, which is the last service, she might be out in the lobby after service. Uh, be mindful if you do grab one of those sweet treats because she is bold and she is courageous. And she will confidently ask you uh, to have a piece of your sweet treat. If she sees something pleasant to her palate, she will come up to you with these beautiful, adorable eyes and face, and she will say, can I have numb? And that means, translation, can I have some? But she puts it together in one word so it sounds even more adorable. Can I have numb? And you're like, of course you can have numb. Whatever, whatever, what else do you want? So... You know, she, she comes, you know, one of the, the fan favorites of the, of the Burroughs kids, uh, it's always a favorite, is, um, is cupcakes. But you know, who doesn't love a cupcake? I mean, let's just be real. Whoever invented cupcake, I'm going to hug them one day because th this is the mindset I think they had. They're like, listen, everyone loves cake. But one of the problems with cake is that there's not enough cream on the cake. So what if we make a smaller cake with more cream, switch as much cream as cake, brilliant, brilliant. So if you have a cupcake in the Burroughs household, she will, she will come up to you. Like if you get one of those, you go to Georgetown Cupcake after service, 
Come on, you get one of those red velvet cupcakes. If you've not had a red velvet cupcake from a Georgetown cupcake, that is heaven on earth. I said that last service. Some, someone came up to me. They said, you were preaching truth right there. They actually, they actually amen to me when I said that. If you haven't had it. So, so she, she'll come and she'll say, can I have some? Can I have some of your cupcake? And, 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 you know, she knows. She knows that if mom or dad has a cupcake, if mom or dad has it, I have it. She knows that what they have is available to me. And how is this relatable to what we just shared? Because God says that you can receive mercy and you can find grace and you can find help in your time of need. What is he saying? I have it available to you. Will you come boldly and confidently and courageously and ask me for it? That when you feel like, man, I don't measure up. God, I messed up again. God, I yelled at my kids again. God, I, I, I didn't do well in that situation again. God, I, I did that thing that I wish I didn't do again. When you have those moments, the scripture says you can go to God, and he's not waiting in heaven, waiting to punish you. He's not waiting to condemn you. No, because the scriptures say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No, when you go to him, you will find mercy after mercy after mercy, after mercy, his mercy knows no end. Meaning he will not give you what you deserve for your sin. That's how good he is. And then he'll give you grace. Here's what that means. God will give you, give you, un- he'll give you things you don't deserve. That, that means, listen, when you're, when you're overwhelmed, raising those kids, you can ask God for strength. The scripture says you can actually cast your cares upon God in Psalms, and he will sustain you. That when you are are anxious and overwhelmed, the scripture says you can actually go to him and ask him for his peace, and he gives you a peace beyond all comprehension. He will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Maybe for some of you, that's, that's a new concept. That today, you can have a conversation with God on the way home today. Maybe before your after Easter brunch nap. Come on, which is also from heaven. <laughs> you can say, God, I've been overwhelmed at work. Can you give me your strength? God, I've been anxious over this, this doctor's report. God, can you give me your peace? God, God I, I need wisdom for this situation with, with, in my marriage. God, can you give me wisdom? Because the scripture says he is always willing to give us wisdom from heaven, James records. We can go to him. Maybe for some of you, you've been walking with God for a while. Maybe this is, you know, you've, you've sat through 30 Easter services. May I remind you that the same God that you could go to when you first came to him is the same God you can go to today for your needs. So what's been heavy on your mind? What's been heavy on your heart? Have you given that over to God and say, God, I need, to, I need your grace in my time of need? He makes a way where there has been no way. Number two is Jesus sets us free. Jesus sets us free. He says, I'm the way and I'm the truth, which is a profound statement. Culturally speaking, then there was a search for truth, much like there is now. And he is saying that I am the truth, but he's not saying I'm a concept He's not saying I'm a theory to understand. No, he's a, he's, a, he's a person. He is God whom we can have a relationship with. In John 1.14, the, John, the, the author of the gospel, says this, that 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Referring to Jesus. He's full of, but not just any truth. He is the truth. John 8, speaking to his disciples. Verse 31. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, watch this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, Jesus was the truth embodied. So he says, when you hold to what I've been teaching you, you will know the truth, which is him, and the truth, which is Jesus, will set you free. Now, some of you here that might think to yourself, Jeremy, I'm a free man. I'm a free woman. What do I need to be free from? Let me just ask you this. What is that one thing in your life that if it was not in your life, your life would be significantly better. What's that one habit? You've been trying to kick it. You, you've been trying to stop it. You've been trying to pray it away. You've been trying in your best effort to, to stop doing. The Apostle Paul said this, I do what I wish I didn't do, and then I don't do the things I want to do. That's what I'm talking about. And listen, we all have an area where we can grow in freedom. And if you think you do not have an area where you can grow in your freedom, that is your area where you can grow in freedom. <laughs> that we all have areas. Maybe for you, it's, it's man, I, I wish I didn't, man, I'm, I'm a pretty calm person, but I have these, these outbursts of anger. Or maybe for you, it's, it's I, I sometimes, I, I wish I didn't, but I, but I, I drink too much. Or, or maybe for you, it's, man, I have this, I have this deep sense of insecurity that I never feel like I'm, I'm good enough, I'm worthy enough. Maybe for you, it's a crippling anxiety. Listen, we, we can sometimes fall, fall into this false concept that we have to somehow free ourselves before we come to Christ. That, Jeremy, look, look, Jeremy, I, I first need to, need to, need to get my, 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 my things in order. I need to first become a better husband. I need to first get my anger under control. I need to stop drinking so much. Then I'll come to God. And can I tell you what Christ today is saying up on the throne of heaven, which is where he sits? He's actually saying, no, my son, no, my daughter. I want you to come with that very thing. Because I am the one who sets you free. That thing that you're caught in that you wish you weren't, he's not looking down in heaven condemning you and judging you. No, he's saying, I want to help set you free. I'll set you free. So have you ever had that moment before where you've been at a dinner party or maybe a work party or hopefully never the Catalyst lobby, but you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you felt kind of stuck in conversation? Have you ever been there? Or like someone's talking to you, and you wish they would just be quiet for a moment so you can politely exit the conversation. Come on. Have you ever been there before? If you never have, then you're probably that person. <laughs> just talk less. Listen more. But, you know, you're like, you're in a conversation at this dinner party, you know. It's like a work party. It's kind of awkward because they're like your boss or they're like your coworker. But you're like motioning to your friend or like your spouse to like come rescue you. They're like over on the side. You're like, get over here now. Find me. You know, you're like. It's like you're looking for some moment where he, the person takes a breath. And you're like, hold on one moment. <laughs> 
and you walk to the opposite side of the party, she's like, I can never see that person ever again. Because you're, you're looking for someone to help you get unstuck. Whatever area that is in your life where you, you try in your best effort to get stuck, but you're still stuck. That's the area. That's the area. He's saying, give that over to me. I want to help set you free. I remember when I first came back to Christ as an adult in my mid-20s and one of my areas, I had many areas. One of my areas, though, was insecurity. Insecurity. And how, how, it manif- how I compensated for my insecurity, and I think this is common, when you feel insecure, you're grasping for security, so you often grasp for security in something or someone. So for me, it was I worked really hard. Like, I would work really hard. So I worked really hard in college and in graduate school. I worked really hard in my profession when I worked as a psychologist. Like, I worked really, really hard. And and here's what I found personally. That in my insecurity, in in my grasp for certainty and security and worth, there was no amount of education, there was no amount of work that I ever felt like I was enough. Like, I couldn't work enough. I couldn't succeed enough. I couldn't get enough education to make me feel like now, now, now I'm something. Now I'm someone. Because those things can never bring you the security that you can find in Christ. It wasn't until when I came to Christ and I came across a scripture in Psalm 139, verse 14, that says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That truth changed my life. Listen, I want you to hear this this morning. Right where you are, all all of your faults, all of your imperfections, all of your failings, all of the things that you see in your life that you wish weren't there. Can I tell you, God, the God in heaven this morning is looking at you, and he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He looks at you this morning, and he says, I love you just as you are right where you are, and you have infinite worth in my sight. Aren't you grateful that we don't have to earn our place with God? Aren't you grateful that we can find security in Christ even in our imperfections and our failings? He wants to set you free. Let me, let me say one final thought about this because freedom um, is, is, is a, can be a moment, but it's often a process. In fact, Paul says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free, Paul says. He's actually, and here's another area of freedom to help free us up. He's actually speaking to this church, much like us, because they were struggling with feeling like they had to somehow measure up to God's standard in order to be accepted by Christ. And here's what he's saying. No, because if you do that, you are nullifying the work of the cross and the resurrection. Because of the cross and the resurrection, he has freed you from having to measure up. It just takes the weight off your shoulders. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to meet some some standard to somehow be accepted by God. He's set us free. But it's that freedom is sometimes a process. And here's, here's what we talk about here at Catalyst Church, if you're new to Catalyst is in the book of James, it speaks to this. We actually find freedom by opening up with another person. But we, here's what we say. Take the mask off. 
Take your emotional and spiritual mask off. To have somebody in your life that you can talk to, you can be open and transparent and vulnerable, and you can say, this is my issue. That area of your life that you're, you're embarrassed to tell anyone, it's that area. And we say you don't have to tell everybody, but we should tell somebody. Because in that, that's how we walk in freedom. It's in that, that's how we begin to experience the fullness of what God has for us. There's a great quote by Watchman Nee, author and theologian about this topic of, of freedom. And he says it this way, that our old history ends with the cross and our new history begins with the resurrection. Paul said this, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is past, the new has come. And we can walk in freedom because Christ rose from the grave. He made a way, he sets us free. Here's my last point is he gives us life. He says, I'm the way, I am the truth, and the life. John 10, 10, the words of Christ, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That word thief, he's referring to the devil, the enemy of our souls. That his goal for your life is to destroy your life. Destroy your life spiritually, destroy your life physically. Destroy your life emotionally. Destroy every part of your life. That is his sole intent, is to destroy your life. But he says, I came to give you life and life to the full. You know, one of the primary ways the enemy destroys our life is by deceiving us into somehow believing or somehow falling into, somehow engaging in sin where we miss God's mark. And remember, Christ, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, he paid for the penalty of that sin so we could walk in life in life more abundantly, or life to the full, as he says here. That word life refers to a fulfillment, like a deep sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that can only come from God. I don't know if anyone would be willing to be honest this morning, but does anyone here in the room or watching online, do you ever have a late night hunger pain? Like past nine o'clock, like you know you shouldn't eat, but hunger's calling. And you're like, why deny my body of the thing it needs, right? <laughs> See, 11.30, you're more honest. Earlier, the 8.30, sir, crowd, like, everyone's like, no, not me, not me ever. <laughs> but <laughs> when you have a late night hunger, like when you're hungry, like past 9 p.m., I mean, no, nobody ever says, I, probably not in the history of mankind, has anybody ever said at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m., I mean, I'm just craving a kale salad right now. You don't want no leafy greens at 11 p.m. Like, right? Like, your digestive be working overtime, going to bed. Like, no, no. You trying to have no greens? If, if you wanted greens, salad places would stay open past 8 p.m. But they're like, our window's closed, right? Like, past 8 p.m., ain't nobody wanting to eat a salad. So we're going to close. What's open at midnight? Chinese? food, pizza, carbohydrates, cheese. Come on, right? That's the will of the Lord. They know. They're like, the pizza place is like, this, this is a prime time right now. We're going to stay open. Like, we're about to make a lot of money at midnight. So one night, some of you are like, how did you know what I did last night? <laughs> But I, uh, one night I, I, I was, uh, had a, it was like 10 p.m., and I was, I was hungry. 
So I walked into our kitchen, and I go by the pantry, and I remembered, I think the Lord brought to my memory, that my, my oldest daughter, she had, um, her, like one of her favorite cereals is Frosted Mini Wheats. So she had some, she had some Frosted Mini Wheats. And, uh, and she, uh, so I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to make myself a bowl of Frosted Mini I haven't had these in a long time. I didn't, I didn't make a bowl too big, but I also didn't make it too small. <laughs> Just right, right? You don't want to deprive you. Don't, don't, don't cheat yourself. Treat yourself, okay? <laughs> Just don't treat yourself too much. So I made this bowl of Frosted Mini Wheats. It was great. It was really good. I got done. I thought, man, that's it. I'm, I'm full. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to rest well. I was still hungry. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, that should have filled me up. And So then I actually ended up doing what um, I originally thought to do, is I got a small bowl of some cottage cheese, some low-fat cottage cheese, some, some lean protein, and I got some berries. Popped a few berries in my mouth, some, some, some cottage cheese, you know, some protein, some fiber. So it's supposed to fill you. It's, nu- it's nutritious, right? Your boy was good. I immediately regretted those frosted mini wheats, right? But, but why? Because the frosted mini wheats, listen, that frost is never intended to satisfy you. <laughs> like not, not your body, maybe your taste buds for a moment. But you need something that will satisfy you. And here's the reality is that culturally speaking, even at a subconscious level, we are conditioned uh, in our culture to believe that there are certain things in life that will satisfy us. So I have brought your cereal of choice, no matter what your flavor is. This reaches everybody. So, you know, whether you're a Honey Nut Cheerios or you're a Lucky Charms person um, or a Frosted Mini Wheats, uh, that's where it ends. So, but here's what we're, we're taught culturally, right? And maybe you can relate, is, is that, man, if, if, if I, and maybe you have this thought, I know I have. If I just reach a certain degree of success educationally, if, if I get this certain degree, once I get that doctorate, then I'll be fulfilled. Once I get a job at this place, man, then, oh, then I'll be fulfilled. Once I make this salary, then I'll be good. Once, listen, this house is good, but the next house, oh, we're going to have the pool. Then, then I'll be good. And we can begin to, have you ever been there where it's like the next? The, then you get there. And then what is it again? It's the, the next. Or maybe, maybe it's, not, it's not success or, 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 or money. Maybe for you it's, it's relationships. Man, once I get married, when I get married, then, man, life will be great. And then some people who are married say, once I'm not married, <laughs> then don't be that person, all right? <laughs> or like they're like, man, once we have kids, Man, once we have kids, like career's great, or mar- once we have kids, and then those who have kids, like once our kids are gone, once I don't have children anymore, then, are you seeing how this works? It's always the next. It's always the other that we're looking for. But the reality is these things cannot satisfy. Or it can even be, in the context of our faith, religious activity. We can think, man, if I just do more for God, then somehow, listen, we should do things. Let me be clear. You should, you know, there's certain things you should do spiritually to connect with God. 
But it's not in the doing that you're fulfilled. It's God who works through the doing. But we can fall into this false belief that somehow it's these things will somehow make us feel more content, make us feel satisfied, make us feel fulfilled. And then you get there. I know I saw so many heads shaking. You've been there. But you get there and you're like, this didn't feel what I thought it would. You know why? Because the scriptures say this, your soul will never find rest until it finds rest in God. God has no problem with your success. In fact, I think it honors him when you do it for his glory. He's got no problem with you making a lot of money. He's got no problem with you having seven degrees. He's got no problem with relationships and marriage and family. But here's what he knows. You will never be fulfilled by those things. He's the only one that can fulfill that feeling in your soul, that, that void that we all have, that we try to fill with other things can only be filled. That's why Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the full. He has that life to the full. That actually means he doesn't just, he doesn't just fulfill us. He actually exceeds our expectations. That life in Christ is actually beyond our expectations. It's even more. It's that unmerited favor. It's, he gives us more than we deserve or we could ever even imagine. He wants to give you life and life to the full. And here's the good news, John 5, 24. He says, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Here's this means that it's not just life for now, but it's life forever. You know, I love vacations. But you know, one of the worst parts of vacations is going home from vacation. Anybody else, like day two of vacation, you're already dreading that you have to go home soon. Anybody else? Even if it's like a week away, you're like, oh, I got to go home, right? <laughs> I'm going to have to unpack this suitcase. Like, you're excited to pack. Anybody else, when you get home from a trip, you'll kind of like take a long time to unpack? Because you're like, maybe a vacation will pop out of nowhere. And I'll go back, right? You're kind of hoping. Yeah. But it, it, has a, it has a beginning and an end. And here's, here's the good news of the scripture. We don't just have life and life more to the full. Now is forever. And in fact, here on earth, it's actually imperfect because of, of, our, of our brokenness, of our humanity. In heaven, in eternity, it's perfect fulfillment. Like perfect satisfaction that's found in Christ. C.S. Lewis, an apologist and author, says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We were made for eternity. We were made to find life and life to the full in Christ. So maybe you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, Jeremy, so what's that mean for me? How, how do I find life and life to the full? How, how do I receive this gift of the resurrection that we're talking about? Well, Romans 6, 23, the apostle Paul says this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. At the wages of our sin, the penalty of our sin is death. That's a, that's, a, that's a cost all of us owe, is our life. But because of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, 
He paid for that. It's like you ever had a moment before where you went to, maybe you're with friends or maybe you saw somebody you knew in a restaurant and you went to go pay for your meal and they said somebody paid for it? Come on. If you're that person who pays for other people's meal, I'll tell you where I'm going to brunch, okay? (laughs) I'll text you. You Go ahead. Listen, so when, so when the end of time and they say, hey, Jeremy, the penalty of your sin is not just temporary death, but eternal death, they pull out the invoice. It says paid in full. It was paid by the death of Jesus, his broken body and his shed blood so we could be forgiven of all sin, past, present, and future. And we could have life. It's a gift, not a free gift. It was paid for. Somebody paid a cost. His name is Jesus. But it's a gift to us. So our, like, like the natural response, the probable response, the, the appropriate response is saying, okay, Christ, you, you broke your body. You shed your blood. You died on a cross for me, and you rose again so I could have not just life to the full here on earth, but eternal life with you forever? The appropriate response is to say, God, I trust you. Acts 16, 31, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul says. I love this. He says, he says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to note the words he uses here. And you will be saved. He doesn't say believe in. He says believe on. Paul says you can put, you can put the full weight of your life on Christ. You can put the weight of all your sin, all your imperfections, all the times you've messed up, all the times you did things you wish you didn't do. You can put it on him. He can handle it. So I was thinking of putting your weight on Christ. I was reminded uh, about six months back, I went to change a, a light bulb in my house. And my kids had this, I was looking for something to stand on. My kids had this like little tykes table. And I thought to myself, little tykes is pretty tough right? Um, I'm going to stand on it. And I soon realized little tykes tables are not made for 250 pound men. Uh, Collapse like a rag doll. Uh, Thankfully, no one was there. Uh, Thankfully, the little tykes tables are like these plastic. You can like pop them back into place. My kids still have no idea what happened. (laughs) But the table couldn't handle my weight. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can think to ourselves, man, well, Jeremy, you don't know what I did. Jeremy, you don't know what I've done. Jeremy, you don't know how far from God I am. Can I tell you this? Whatever it is, the weight of your sin, the weight of your mistakes, the weight of where you are right now, you can put it all on Christ. You don't have to, you don't have to, fix yourself up. You don't have to somehow become a better person. You don't have to somehow get free from that thing in your life that you wish wasn't in your life. You can put your full weight, you can put your full trust in Christ today. And that's how we receive life. Paul said it this way, if we, in Romans 10, 9, if we confess, if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
That's how it is. You believe in your heart. You believe on Christ. God, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to declare that you are Lord. You are who you said you were. And I trust in you. That's how you're saved. That's how you receive the gift of the resurrection. Now, Easter is special to me for multiple reasons. But there's one in particular, personally. It was 13 years ago, actually, on an Easter. It was a Saturday night before Easter. I'll give context. I was in my mid-20s, and I had a comfortable life. I really did. I, I, had a, I was working as a psychologist. I used to work with uh, children and youth and really enjoyed my career. I would completed my graduate education. For my age and stage, I was making great money. I had a condo at the beach. I mean, I had a very comfortable life. Uh, was very satisfied with those things in that regards. But there was something that I knew was like, there was something still missing. I had relationships, like, and, and it sort of perplexed me. Because I was like, there's something, there's something that's still not here that is missing in my life. And one Saturday night, I was walking home from the bar with my roommate, my new roommate at the time. We had ju- I had just moved in with him. And... Um, I maybe had one drink too many, maybe six drinks too many, but I didn't count. As we're walking home, he says, hey, would you, would you come to church with me tomorrow? Now, I'll give clarity of where I was. Uh, Ten years prior to that moment, I grew up in church. At 16, my dad had died, and I was offended with God. God was mad at God. And then I encountered in my early life some, what I would just call some religion. Um, and I felt like some of what I saw portrayed was that like God, God wanted more from me than he wanted to give to me. It was kind of this like, it wasn't like what I just presented. It wasn't a gift. Like it was kind of a burden. So I was offended at Christians. So when he asked me, man, would you come to church? I said, there, I said, I told him this, I will never go to church ever again. I, I, I sincerely meant that. I was like, I, don't, I have no desire to be in church. I have no desire to have a relationship with God. I was mad. That next morning, I woke up around 8 o'clock in the morning. I was hung over like a bear. But I was up. And I was like, it's Easter Sunday. I guess I should go to church. So I walk into church. Two months later, I come to a church like Catalyst. I hear a message like you heard today that there's a gift of the resurrection. It's the gift of Christ that he wants to give me life and life to the full. He's forgiven my sins, past, present, and future. I heard the message of Romans 5, 8, which says that when we were still sinners, when we were still far from God, when I was still angry with God, when I still wanted nothing to do with God, that in that place, God died for us through his son Jesus. In that place. When he wanted nothing to do, when I wanted nothing to do with him, he gave everything for me. Softened my heart. It opened my eyes to not see religion, but to see Christ. And my life has been changed forever since that moment. And maybe you're here this morning and you haven't received this gift. That you haven't put your weight on Christ. You haven't trusted fully in Christ. Can I tell you, it's the best decision you will ever make. 
I, I say this to someone who used to be mad at God. I say to somebody who used to never want to be in church ever again. I'm telling you, it's incredible. It is life and life to the full. It's more than you can expect. He's better than we can imagine. He loves you right where you are. Can I just encourage you lovingly? Put your weight, put your trust on him today. There are others of you in the room. You once walked with God. But maybe the past several years, maybe it's been longer, you, you've walked away. Today, you need to put your faith, put your trust back on him. Put your weight back on Christ.